0: Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Derrida, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, July 16, 2017. Our text for the day is found in the 8th chapter of Romans, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. In 1985, when he was hosting his last episode of the family feud, Richard Dawson, after the taping was over, gave about a three minute speech to the audience. And he, you could see the emotion that was getting to him. You could see, and he was recounting everything and he was totally honest. And he thanked the people at ABC. He says, We stayed on the year, on the air, probably a year longer than we should. We weren't doing them much good. Our ratings were down and, It was hard, you know, and so he was very grateful for that. And he talked about how, and for those of y'all who don't remember Richard Dawson, I apologize, you need to YouTube him. But he was very controversial because in his time, he welcomed everyone on the sets. And he would get in trouble. In today's world, there's no way HR would let him host a feud the way he did because he would give a contestant a kiss on the cheek for good luck and he would hug them and he would just be there for them. And he was talking about why he did that because they used to get a lot of letters complaining especially about how he interacted with people of a different color and how he would hug them. And He talked about the fact that the first time that he ever saw people of color, and I'm using his language, the first time he saw people of color was when D-Day left from his hometown in England. And he turned to his mother And he said, Mother, what's wrong with them? And she said, nothing. They were created by God. Who makes a rainbow, Richard? He said, God. She said, well, I'm not going to presume to tell a God who makes the rainbow what color He should make His people. And I thought, that has been resonating with me ever since I saw it and as I started preparing for this. Message based upon the realities that we see in the hymn, I was there to hear your morning cry. I think we would do good to revisit that truth that his mother gave to him. But you and I, we spend so much time in the flesh trying to answer our own issues, trying to answer our own questions, that we forget that we have a God who not only created us, but a God who was with us every step of the way. Change is one of those things that we know is inevitable, but we don't like it. And so much of it has changed in my life over the last two years. There are days that I wonder. Aaron and I look at each other. And we go, "Where did we have the time to do anything now that Anna is here?" But you know what? As we talked about Friday night at our when well, we were out for our anniversary dinner. For 14 anniversaries, we always said we can't wait. Maybe next year we'll have to hire a babysitter. And that was a change that was good, even though it was hard. We have the best babysitter in town. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I think one of the reasons we struggle with change, brothers and sisters, is we forget. We forget that God is there with us every step of the way. We forget that there's nothing that we go through that God will not walk us through. We forget in the midst of our unease, in the midst of our confusion, or let's just say in the midst of our anger about change, when it impacts us so personally, we forget that God is with us every step of the way. We forget that He was there to hear our morning cry. We forget that He is there as we get older. We forget these things. And a today's passage from Romans... Francis reminded us of God's presence and the power of God's presence in our lives to overcome anything. And the problem with the passage that Francis read, and she read it beautifully, don't get me wrong, but the problem is there's so much before and after it that in order to preach that passage correctly, we would have to be here for a long time and y'all aren't interested in changing to where we're here till three o'clock, so we're not going to go that far. But here's the thing. Just before this passage, as he wraps up verse chapter 7, he talks about his inner conflict. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me, for I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is within my flesh. And he goes on, he says, Wretched man am I, that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? So then with my mind I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh I am a slave to the law of sin. And the law of sin is what keeps us from remembering that God is with us every step of the way. It is the law of sin that allows us to turn to anger, to bitterness, to rage. It's the law of sin that allows us to turn to finding satisfaction in the things of this world instead of the one thing that is eternal and that is the love of God in Christ. And with Paul talking about this inner conflict, it sets the table for chapter 8. And as we read chapter 8, as we hear those verses, as we sit here and we talk about these things, we're talking about God is with us. Well, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? Does it matter at all? What would change in my life if I actually lived out the reality that God is there hearing all of my cries? How would my life change if I lived in such a way that God hears everything that is going on? What if I really lived out that lesson we teach the kids at Bible school that God is everywhere? I submit to you there's three specific things that can transform not only our lives, but can transform our families, can transform our friends, can transform our community, can transform our church, can transform our world. We must remember that due to Christ's presence in all stages of life, If we choose to follow him, number one, we are no longer condemned by sinful nature and acts. If we choose to follow him, we are no longer condemned by sinful nature and acts. One of the most unchristian things you can say, but it's actually theologically accurate in many ways, one of the most unchristian things that we can say or believe is, I cannot help it, I ha- I, this is the way that I am. For when we allow ourselves to believe that we are who we are and there's no opportunity for change and there's no opportunity for redemption, there's no opportunity for anything to be transformed, then we're saying that God's grace through Christ has limits. And I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to go that far. I'm not ready to go to the point where God cannot transform lives, because when God cannot transform lives, we might as well strike a match to this place, burn it down, and do something else with it, because the gospel means nothing. The gospel means nothing. If we ever buy into the fact there's no hope for us and that we can never change. The first words of chapter 8... There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. What is it that's holding you back today? What is holding you back What are you still believing that you are condemned for? What is it that you are not allowing yourself to forgive or to be forgiven? Because you notice on our own, we cannot do it. But he says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. We will never be able to work our way out of our sinful nature. And when we get complacent about our faith, that's when evil will strike the quickest. So think about it for a minute. Think about the condemnation and ask yourselves, have I really bought into the reality that in Christ there is no condemnation? I mean, after all, we hear these words and echoes of Paul's conflict at the end of chapter 7 where he talks about the fact that wretched man that I am, I cannot, you know, he's going on on that rant. But then Paul comes back to God did it. And just like Richard Dawson's mother leaned into his ear on D-Day and said, God created don't forget that God was there to hear your morning cry. Don't forget that God was there when you were but a child. Don't forget that God has invested in you more than you will ever imagine because He has invested His life in you. Another thing that helps us grasp the reality of the gospel is understanding. That because God is there to hear our morning, God was there to hear our morning cry, God is there with us in every step of the way. Due to Christ's presence in all stages of life, if we choose to follow Him, we focus on the life giving. We focus on the life giving and freeing guidance and assurance of the Holy Spirit. We focus on the life giving and freeing guidance and assurance of the Holy Spirit. If you had to answer the question right now, and I'm very serious about this, if you had to answer the question right now, are you living or are you merely existing? Are you living or are you merely existing? I used to make that distinction a lot early on and life vis a vis medical care. Because I still put forward the idea that we may know how to extend existence, but I'm not sure how much we're extending life. But that's a whole different story. But what about for everyone else? Are we merely existing or are we living? Are we embracing all of life? Are we embracing all? of humanity? Are we embracing all of the divine? Are we embracing, are we living due to the presence of the Holy Spirit within us? Are we merely automatons, not much above a robot, getting up, doing our daily routine, going to bed, getting up, doing our daily routine, going to bed, getting up, doing our daily routine, going to bed? Imagine, even if we are at that point in life where our life is Pretty much a routine of the everyday. Imagine how much more joy might be possible if instead of looking at our life as an existence, we looked at it as a gift from the one that was there to hear our morning cry that frees us to experience God's grace in every stage of life. You notice what he says here in verse in the the middle of this passage. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. It's right there in black letter. If we truly believe that the Scriptures are the authoritative word of our lives, if we truly believe that the Scriptures are the foundation of our walk with Christ, we can no longer have this misguided understanding that we live by the flesh. Because when we focus on the things of the flesh, we're dead. All we're doing at that point is existing. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, and that is life and peace. And I can hear the argument now, Lamar, that sounds well and good, but you don't understand the hell that I have either been through or that I'm going through. My first instinct, my flesh instinct, is to say, yeah, and you don't know the hell I've been through either. But I can't really say that as a pastor. So what do I say? What do we do? What do we talk about? We talk about the fact that peace comes not from our circumstance. Our peace comes not from our circumstance because there's not a one of us in the room that if we were honest with ourselves wouldn't say we have been through or going through some sort of hell. But what we can say is that my peace comes from knowing that I don't go through my torment by myself. My peace comes not from my circumstance. My peace comes from the one who is walking with me through my circumstance. And he has walked with me every step of the day because he was there to hear my morning cry. In the middle middle ages of your life, as we say, not too old, no longer young, I'll be there to guide you through the night. Complete what I have begun. The third thing that we need to remember, when we wrestle with the reality of God being there to hear our morning cry, God being there to be with us through every word, every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, we embrace the reality that due to God, due to Christ's presence and all stages of life, if we choose to follow Him, we reject the narrative that life is only about what is here and now. Due to Christ's presence in all stages of life, if we choose to follow him, we reject the narrative that life is only about what is here and now. And the reason why that rejection is important is not because what is going on right now is not important. It is actually very important We have to deal with the here and the now. We have to deal with the highs and the lows of life. We have to deal with the heartaches and the pain. We have to live in the middle of all this, but we do not have to be consumed by it all. We do not have to let our circumstances absolutely define our lives because when our circumstances define our lives, that cross no longer does no matter how great life is, no matter how poor life is. one of my favorite one of my favorite, uh, favorite things to recall when somebody asks me about the presence of God and where is God? And, and is nobody's ever walked into my office and asked me why they got a $20,000 bonus. But they have walked into my office and asked me why their wife got cancer. Think about that for a minute. Think about the fact that if we want to blame God for the bad, we must embrace God for the good. That's why this hymn is so important. Because so much, so unlike many of the other great hymns of the faith, that there's nothing wrong with them. We're going to sing another great one at the end, Living for Jesus, another one that's old school. But we need to hear the words of this hymn, I was there to hear your born to cry, and I am here now. We need to hear those words because we don't hear them enough. And we don't hear them enough, and when we don't hear them enough, we don't embrace them. And when we don't embrace them, then we forget them. And then when we forget them, we get caught up in the here and the now. Let us never forget. 41 years later after D-Day, Richard Dawson was telling that story to a studio audience in Los Angeles, California in the spring of 1985. But it's a story that we all must embrace because of the reality that God was there to hear our morning cry. Just as Richard Dawson's mother said, I cannot presume to tell a God who gave us the colors of the rainbow, what color he should make people. We should never presume that the God who made us, the God who gave his life for us, the God who has done everything he can is the same God that is there to hear our cry. And is the same God that will be there when we draw our final breath. I want to leave you with this question. and it's one that I left you in the bulletin, and it's one that we all must wrestle with. What in my life needs to change so that I am awakened to and respond to the life-giving work of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit? What is it in my life? What is it in the life of my circle the life of my church, the life of my community, the life of the world. But right now, it's for you individually. What in my life needs to change so that I am awakened to and respond to the life-giving work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRidder, Louisiana. Find out more about us at fumcderitter.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash F-U-M-C-D-R. Have a blessed day.